Hello. Hello. This is this is Pam Electric Ghost. Welcome to the program. We are recording. Hi. Hi. So Leanne, um, Shay, right? Yeah. Oh, Shay. Yep, that's me. So, so yes, this is um the Pam Electric Ghost podcast where we interview actors, artists, musicians. We primarily tend to talk to musicians because I'm a musician myself. Great. Do talk to actors. We actually have talked to Jess Davis from New York City. Yes, um, I listened to that episode actually. So, so we we want to continue to talk to other types of um, creative folks. Cool. So we welcome you to the program. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm super psyched to be here. It's great because um, you're from Boston. I live in New Hampshire. Nice. What part of New Concord. Hampshire are you in? Uh, oh yeah. I would. I was actually born in Springfield, Mass, and I lived in, in the 1970s, I lived in Stoughton, uh-huh. Mass. Um, you know, my father worked in Boston as an insurance oh, yeah. guy. Um, so, so yeah, I'm familiar with that area. I spent a lot of time in Boston um, doing work and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's cool to see. I know that you're act- – you, right, right now you're in yeah, LA, Yeah, right? yeah. So I grew up in Boston and Winchester and some- – so mostly not Boston proper, but Somerville and Winchester. And I moved mm-hmm. out – I went to UMass, UMass Amherst. Whoop, whoop. Um, and then I – Oh, Springfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I know Springfield pretty well. And um, yeah, I've been out in LA for a little over eight years now working. Yeah, I've seen that you've actually worked in Canada, Australia, and the UK. Yeah, it's thank cool. you. Yeah, it, it's been pretty amazing. I love to travel. And then whenever I get to work and yeah. travel at the same time, it's just like. Oh, did I lose you? think i just lost you oh no yeah yeah oh, you okay came back. yeah i lost you weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah make sure your bluetooth isn't on so maybe your bluetooth headphone might try to turn on or something I don't okay know what but we we, we still okay, got great. You. um yeah <laughs> well i actually had some questions i didn't send you but i kind of modified the questions i asked the asked musicians um to kind of go through that background but i, I um I did notice that you have done uh, yes. film, television, and, and theater, so that's that's really interesting, um, and and you know it's different than when we talk to musicians; they have a different type of uh, mm-hmm. resume. But uh, I wanted to know, like, when we talk to musicians, you guys said, "Well, when did you first get into music?" So I'll ask, like, when did you first get? Yeah. Into that? Like, at what age did you decide you wanted to do that? Was it like when you were younger, or do you come into it uh, later? Can- Kind of a little bit of a mix. So I grew up as a dancer, um, primarily ballet, tap jazz, the classic. And I always thought that I was going to be a dancer. And I still do love dancing till this day, really. Um, But I uh, started acting at first, probably when I was in third or fourth grade. And at the time, my dance schedule was so hectic. I did like one play and was like, oh, that was fun. And, you know, always thinking about it, but always being at dance too much to really pursue it. And um, when it came time to apply to college, that was when I really kind of made the decision of, hey, I think that acting is something that I want to pursue a little bit more than dance because, you know, at the time I was thinking, I can be an actor and also a dancer and, um, you know, kind of do both, especially in theater. It's like the, it's kind of very handy to be able to move your body well. And uh, so I started thinking about that and applying to schools for that. But weirdly, well, not weirdly, but at the time, I was also really interested in medicine. So I actually started college as a pre-med student while still taking theater classes and somewhere around my sophomore year of college. So probably when I was about 19, um, I realized, you know what, I can still help people without being a doctor. So um, <laughs> I decided to leave pre-med behind and go full full force into theater. And so I went ahead and I did that and fully majored in theater and it's like had the 
best time at school. And then also right when I graduated, I worked for a little while with a touring kids show and a few uh, different theater theaters in Boston. Um, and the touring show was how I performed a lot of the places I performed to start. Um, and then after I did that, I decided um, that I really loved movies and really wanted to start learning about film and getting into film. And I thought if I'm going to do it, there's one place to do it and that's Hollywood. So I moved out here to LA and um, I've been working in film ever since. Um, started mainly as an actor and just through um kind of curiosity and also necessity I've learned a few other um tricks of the the film industry as well like I um do a bit of screenwriting now I also produce I've kind of done uh gosh quite a lot of jobs on a film set and you know as far as crew I've I've PA'd I've assisted I've you know, have a little experience in lighting like kind of a little bit of everything to really learn how the machine works um but acting is still my my number one love and and what i'm here to do and um the other things like producing and writing just enable me to oh, you dropped sorry again. i yeah i think it's uh when my phone um goes on sleep mode you know when the screen goes dark um yeah, maybe try to make sure. Yeah, try yeah. Make sure do that. so um, sorry, I was talking, didn't realize. Um, but yeah, so I uh, kind of learned a little bit of all sides of the film industry by moving here to LA and working with, um, you know, friends and, and pe people that I had started out with as colleagues and they've become dear friends that, you know, we've kind of come up together and started making movies together. Um, and I, you know, really just have continued that life. And also recently, you know, thanks to the pandemic, have also gotten a little bit into podcasting. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. That's kind of my zone. That's yeah. where I am. But, um, but it's interesting. Um, it, the parallels between like musicians and actors is very interesting because a lot of musicians, they'll come into something, you know, then they'll right. become a producer or they'll, they'll become a music director or they'll become a recording mm -hmm. engineer or, you know, they, they, they tend to get into all aspects yeah. of the art yeah, I, that you're in. Yeah, I can totally yeah. relate with that. Um, also, I know a little bit about it. Both my dad and my boyfriend are musicians. So I like kind of understand that world even though I cannot play anything to save my life <laughs> I get some how some of it works <laughs> but as an actor have you ever had to like uh, um, yes I mean, yeah. have, you, have you done yeah I've part done of your a role? handful of musicals not a ton um I, I would say the way I kind of describe it is like I'm a you know I'm an okay singer like I can get by but and and do pretty well and I think people that don't really sing are like oh wow you can sing but people that are like Broadway mm -hmm. singers are like oh <laughs> yeah. so uh, you know I can sing okay but it's uh, definitely not my strongest suit even though yeah. I love it like I. I would go to a karaoke night any day of the week. It's one of my favorite things. And then the things, kind of like the capabilities of actors, you know, your comedians can do yeah. serious work. You know, a lot of, a lot of actors I've run into are like frustrated musicians and want to be like, you know, Keith Richards, mm -hmm. but they can't, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but, you know, they want to, um, so things like the, the the ability to I think kind of play all the roles is you know like a day to day yeah. aspect you know I was that we I love about Bowie oh god theater. yeah what so a you, hero he's like one of my all time favorite artists yeah just the idea that he decided that you should present yourself in more than just your blue jeans and actually yeah create yeah ex create exactly you know that. A lot of musicians, we kind of look to that. You know, we we look at what you actors do, and when we present ourselves, we try to come up with stagecraft. We try to come up with like the yeah. other me, the idea that when you're a musician or you're trying to be a talent, that you look to like acting, and you look to that to try to you know do something when you're doing your show that you actually carry a show more than just yeah. the music. 
Yeah, um, and I, I can agree with that. And then just like the way that I think it's like, you know, you're on a stage, people came to see you, why not put on a show in every aspect of the word? Yeah, so that, it's interesting. Um, I was just looking at your uh, mm. your resume um, where you have your SAG and your mm-hmm. ASTRA <laughs> <laughs> um, designation. And one of the first things you have on here is like yes. dynamite. You, you were... Um, and so this, can you talk about, um, sure. So, um, Lady Dynamite was a Netflix show that was on for two, I believe two seasons. Unfortunately, it got canceled after two seasons, but it was, um, the star and creator was a comedian named Maria Bamford and she was just the kindest and so amazing. And I've also have friends that have worked with her in the stand-up world as well. Um, and it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I um, was in a, an episode of that. I was actually hired for my yo-yo trick skills, <laughs> um, which I learned from a show that I did for kids um, a few years ago. Um, I used to do this show where I would go around to schools and do a one woman show and talking to kids about believing in themselves and doing their best. And I would be like a living cartoon character doing yo-yo tricks and magic to keep them entertained and keep them, you know, keep their attention while I was teaching the concepts. And, um, so, I always had it on my resume and she really wanted uh, Maria, the creator of the show really wanted someone to do yo-yo tricks in this big scene. And it's this crazy scene where it's her wedding and it's in this crazy function hall. And she has like all kinds of acrobats and people doing uh bike tricks bmx tricks on a half pipe behind the altar and there were um you know people on stilts and pogo sticks and then me doing yo-yo tricks leading her down the aisle as she was going to get married (laughs) oh wow it was like one continuous shot with all these people it was huge yeah so it was huge it was probably i actually had a couple of friends that worked on the show and they said it was one of the biggest days of production that they ever had just because so many people were involved um and so it was a really really cool experience to not only be brought there for that absolutely weird random skill that I have but then to also be a part of of such a big day with other people that were really in the same boat as me you know that were there because they had a very specific skill that they were very very good at Mm -hmm. Um, for this comedy wedding um, for the show. Um, so it was it was a really great time, uh, really great set to be on. Uh, unfortunately, a bit of my yo-yo tricks was cut out of the final edit of the episode, but I still, I mean, I to this day, I always look back on that fondly because it was just a, such a fun day on set and such a fun group of people to work with. Um, and also remember, you know, I didn't talk at length with the creator and the star of the show, but in the brief interaction I had with her, I mean, she was so kind and so welcoming to everybody on that set and it was just so lovely to see and just kind of the way that I like to operate when I work and it was just so nice to see that in someone that has come so far and had so much success on their own so that that, that's interesting you know you talked about how how you get picked for a specific skill set um for, for a role but it's interesting. I was looking at you. You have internet and film and theater. So I'm kind of going to jump to a film in a woman's place. Can you talk about? <laughs> yeah, sure. That, that was actually and- something that um, I created on my own. Um, I created it uh, right after the 2016 election, actually, um, and kind of a response to that. So I wrote it and created it and played that, you know, that it's only a short film, but, um, I was the, the only actor in it. Um, and so I worked with, uh, my boyfriend, who's also my creative partner. He's a screenwriter and a director. And so I was like, Hey, I have this idea. I want to do this. Will you help me? And he, was totally down and so he shot the short for me and uh we edited it and um actually I reached out to a few news outlets just to say like hey I made this thing it was also kind of a call to action for 
you know, people in response to the election, like places that people could go to donate to um, communities that I thought and still think needed the help communities like, um, you know, uh, immigrants crossing the border, communities like women that were mm -hmm. in need of health care yeah. um, and all of those different kinds of organizations. And um, the Huffington Post actually was like, yes, great. Yeah, let's we'll help you release it. Do you want to do an interview? And so um, I spoke with one of their writers and they released it with this lovely article um, kind of about the piece and a little bit about um the aftermath of the 2016 election and so um that was wow. thank you for asking about that that was actually uh well how, how important was the Huffington post and helping you push that Did they so really help it, it by, was by when they came into the process it was already completed um and i was just kind mm -hmm. of looking for a way to get it out to more people than just you know my immediate network yeah. um and yeah, that's a great, great push. <laughs> a big platform like they, them. <laughs> it seemed like that's a good place to be able to get to. Oh, you're, you're off again. You're I'm off here, again. I'm here. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I was saying that's a great, like, if, as a musician, like, if we can get into Rolling Stone. Oh, God, like, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's like, core, you know, it's like being a Huffington Post, yeah. that's like a core like yeah, and outlet, at the time know? they had an outlet called Outspeak TV, which really kind of fit in with the the mission of what I was trying to accomplish with the the short. And so um, I just reached out to somebody there and got you know they luckily were into the idea and willing to help promote it. And so um, it was it was really cool uh, at the time and and still to be like oh yeah well that worked because you know sometimes as a creative you know especially in creating your own work I think you do wonder like okay where's it gonna go and that's something that I think a lot of people and I'm sure it's similar with music it's like okay well I could just release it on you know my Facebook to my friends or YouTube or something but it would be really great <laughs> if someone if yeah. there was a bigger audience that I could get this to and so for that to work out in that way I was just like felt so thankful at the time and so happy to have you know created that relationship with the people there yeah that, that's awesome they were able to do that and then I'm gonna yeah. jump around again to our more of a of a of a, a bigger name like for, for for people who are into like you know the the comic industry that you actually did like an internet yes yeah um that was something i also am a bit of a comic book geek <laughs> so um that was something a friend had seen an audition posting for and they sent it to me they were like this is something that you would be so into and I was like you're right I am super into it so I actually um submitted my headshot and resume for the audition and I I submitted for a different character than the one I wound up playing and um I, yeah I remember going in for it and having a great time and the creator of that show and the producers of that show were just like so kind and so wonderful to work with. And so they didn't wind up casting me in the role that I had auditioned for, but they wound up cash casting me in another role. And I was just still so thrilled to be a part of the show. Cause I'm just like a huge Batman fan. <laughs> did, did that, did, did that happen a lot? Like when you're, acting if you go for something and then the director says no i think you fit better here it, is that a it happens on occasion for sure it's it's definitely not out of the question and it's also not out of the question for you to go in for one project and for you know something to happen like hey you're not right for this project but then a year down the line hear from that same person and say hey i remember you you came in and auditioned for this and i'd really love for you to come in and audition for this new thing that we're doing so um yeah, it is. It's funny that it every opportunity kind of leads to another opportunity. I think, um, you know, the mindset if, you know, you're going to, if you're an accountant, for example, and you go to a job interview and you don't get that job, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. you know, probably, but maybe down the line they'll call me, but probably not. Whereas as an actor, it's like if you go for the audition, um, and you, I think if you are, kind and good to work with and 
you've put your best work out there, there's a high possibility that even if you aren't right for that project or that role, that you could be potentially called back for something in the future. Um, I had an actor friend that she said, I think this is the longest one I can think of, but um, she had an audition with a casting director and then five years later that casting director had remembered her and called her back for a specific role that was basically her like as a human being so um you know it's like it can happen (laughs) yeah yeah it seems kind of like what happens with studio musicians you know they get a (laughs) reputation and then they picked up by all these different artists and they they are able to work on multiple projects and they end up being kind of like an actor in a way in that that their skill set in their particular instrument or capability gets known in the industry and then different producers yeah. pull, you know, for, yeah. different, for different projects and you get pulled because you can do this kind of bass line or you just yeah. type, type of piano line or you're known for this kind of guitar mm-hmm. and then you get pulled in, you know, just because they, they know you can do that. So you get, you go on these, all these different projects. You never really know what you're going to get pulled into. Right. Yeah. That's the kind of, yeah, same kind of mentality. All you can do is like show up and do the work and, and do a good job. And then hopefully, you know, that begets more work in the future. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I'm always trying to find the parallels between different, different types of things, but I'm going to kind of drop theater work. Cause like all, I guess all, all, all actors or all musicians kind of start with like the, the basics, you know, a lot of, Musicians will start with classical, or they'll start with like a core capability. And it looks like you did, yeah. you know, you did Hamlet, you did Penelope. So, you did, is that something that you feel like is accurate? Did, is it always Shakespeare? Is it always the theater that you really, you know, get your bones in to, to really learn I your think, craft? Honestly, first? I don't think it's a necessity, especially to be in film. But I do think it helps. Like, I think um, you know, the more. And the more when I I actually also teach acting at a small film school as well. And I say this to my students, I think that, you know, the more things that you can try and that you can work on, it will only better you as an actor. You know, it's like the, the diversity of projects, you know, you don't know your limits until you can test them, I think. Um, and so for me personally, starting in theater, I just... I loved theater and growing up in Boston, it was, it's just, um, you know, it, you're, we're so close to New York there and theater is a thing. And also growing up as a dancer, theater was kind of, you know, the next logical step to really um, start to get into things. And then also in Boston, when I was growing up, it wasn't, there wasn't so much of a film industry as there is now. So it's like, if you wanted to act, you did theater, you did musicals, or you did a Christmas carol, or you got into your community theater in your town or whatever that was. Um, And so for me, starting in theater, it was just something that I loved and still do love. Um, You know, some of those kind of, um, you know, more complex things like Shakespeare, like you're mentioning and, and Penelope, which was um, based on James Joyce's Ulysses. I think that it's, it's a pretty cool challenge because specifically Shakespeare, it's almost like learning a different language. Um, And then once you know it, you know it and you really enjoy it and, and can love working with it. And I think there's also something too, for, for a lot of actors, like there are, you know, there's great roles out there. Like we've all heard Hamlet and Ophelia and Romeo and Juliet. And, you know, even, even some things that are like Blanche and Streetcar Named Desire. And, um, you know, some of those big roles where it's, Death of a Salesman, that's kind of like my... Yes, yes, yeah, Death of a Salesman, Fences, like these amazing, amazing plays that for years have been taught in schools. It's like, oh my gosh, it would be so cool if I could do that. Um, And so when I did Hamlet, it definitely had that feeling because I was lucky enough to play Ophelia in Hamlet at the Boston Center for the Arts. Um, And it was was just such a, a cool and unique challenge um and also it's kind of 
you know, everyone knows what you're talking about when you say Hamlet. Everyone knows what you're talking about when you say death of a salesman. Um, so there's always kind of that aspect to it as well. I think it's something that as an actor, when you do something like Shakespeare, you always keep it on your resume because it kind of has this recognition as well. Yeah. But also, th- that when you're actually doing theater, I think it kind of relates to like when we're musicians, like compared to like if I work yeah. in studio work, right? Versus yeah. doing live work. Yeah. And it's the kind of that audience interaction compared, I would think, compared to like television, unless you're on the live side or even film, because you're actually doing it. It's kind of like, it's not exactly improvisational, but you're feeding yeah. back with an audience. You, you, and and I think, you know, with jazz musicians, blues musicians, you know, progressive, you know, I'm in a progressive kind of avant-garde musician. I like mm. to kind of play off an audience, you know, go to New York and play a small club because you can yeah. feed off yeah. that audience. So I would think like an actor, it must be a different experience compared to doing TV and film to do theater and have that theater audience. Maybe oh, talk yeah, about how that feels. It's a wildly different experience. So first of all, in theater, it's like it, you you rehearse for weeks ahead of time and you know the whole play. Um, you know the scenes. The scenes are all in order. You, as an actor, your character arc goes in order. You you are living that world of that play for those two hours or whatever it is that, that the audience is in the house. Also, there's an energy there. Like if the house is full and really engaged, you can feel it when you're on stage. If it's a matinee and there's only, you know, three people in the audience, you can also feel that on stage. Um, And I think you really have to be on your game. You know, there's no room for mess ups. There's no room or, or, or if you mess up, you have to know how to be able to cover for yourself. So that way it makes, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Which I'm sure is kind of similar in music. Yeah. yeah rebound off the bad. No, that you kind of have to play. Yeah, the exactly. Exactly. Or like if you mess up a line, like pick up the joke, which I think is part of the reason why, you know, another reason why Shakespeare is, a little more difficult because it's like you cannot flub a line and I have a pentameter unless you're like really good. <laughs> well, it's like if you're playing box. Yeah, exactly. Not a lot of room. Um, but I think, you know, you know, it does, of course it has its challenges because there's all of that preparation. And I think on the flip side, working on a film and being in a film set, you do have to kind of put in the same amount of preparation, but you don't have the audience to feed off of, but you do have the closeness of being with the other actor, with mm-hmm. the other person. But then also I think the the difficulties come in when, you know, the shooting schedule dictates that, you know, on day one of a 30-day shoot, you are doing the final scene of the movie and you've just met the actor that you're supposed to have been in love with this whole time or whatever the story says. <laughs> so it, yeah. Yeah. So you gotta so get to, you that have to go from, from zero to 60 as soon as they say action. And so I think it is both skill sets are related, but at times, you know, they require different things. And I do think there is a, a pretty cool magic about film, whereas it's like once you have done something, um, and, you know, completed a scene or completed a film, it is captured forever and can be shared forever. Whereas in theater, if if there's a really powerful moment on stage, kind of the magic from that is you have to have been in the room to witness it in that moment because you can't you can't go to Netflix and just turn it on. It's it, you know, it's now or never. There's it's yeah. the kind of the magic of having to to be there in the moment or but then also it's kind of a different magic to be able to watch something forever i think well i'm wondering about like one of the things i was always interested in film is like the role of yes the editors yeah and the directors right so you you might mm-hmm. you might do a take and then the editor like somehow ra- totally radically changes the perspective yeah. of how that was actually done and did you have to sometimes actually go back and reshoot um, based on the editing 
and 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 director choice and to say hey i'm gonna i'm gonna change that because the editor says maybe it works better yeah so there's a yeah a few different things there i think the the first thing that a lot of people don't realize is how much power an editor can have in storytelling uh because even just little things that i think we don't realize as an audience uh because we've just been so conditioned to watching tv or watching movies it's the way something is edited dictates how we feel about it, how we feel about the story in that moment, how we feel about the character in that moment. So I think, you know, there's things like if you took a famous movie, if you took Sunset Boulevard and you changed the editing of it, you changed the music in the background, it would be an entirely different movie. Um, And I think as far as reshoots and things, um, it is normal. Most, most, films do have a type of pickup shots or reshoots after the principal photography. Um, And I think, you know, once in a while, you know, the, the trades will release in the news, like the Avengers movie going into reshoots and it's really not news because especially something of that size will kind of always have some type of reshoot because, you know, you have the script and you have the schedule of, of when you start shooting and maybe you get everything in the script. Maybe there there's, it's such a team effort. It's such a collaborative effort film. Cause it's like everyone on set is working to make this one piece of art. Um, and so I think it's, there's a few different reasons why it can happen. It can happen. You know, maybe there was a day where, you know, the, the shooting day had gone 12, 16 hours and, they were rushing, rushing to get a scene and didn't get exactly what they needed. So they need to redo it or something that also can happen is when they put it, the editor and the director put things together, they can realize like, Hey, I think we can make this storyline more clear if we add a scene about this or in, in the bigger, yeah, yeah, in the bigger picture, sometimes, you know, the bigger a movie is, the more people are involved in, in having say on the final cut. So when you're working with a studio, that is something that can also happen. Like, well, yeah. And I guess people could be looking for continuity and what is going on. And then they kind of say, Hey, after you step back, it's like a musician, if you step back from a composition, and you go back, you look at all the layers of all your tracks, and you say, well, you know what? I probably should re-record this or, re- or change this, move it to the, right. you know, to the beginning of the song. Because this, this is actually like the core theme, and it's, like, yeah, exactly. it's at the wrong position. And so then you realize that, that well, it actually yeah. works better if you move it. And yeah, we, we, very, we very similar kind of thing. It's, yeah, <laughs> the same thing can happen with film and with movies. It's like, you know, you've... Uh, cut together a a two hour movie and realize like, oh my gosh, you know, there could be one more scene about this and it would really make this powerful or on the flip side as well. Like, oh, we don't need this. We don't need this. We don't need this. We understand what's going on. The movie's an hour and a half now, you know? (laughs) So, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, The layers. Yeah. A lot of times we go end up, having so many layers in the sound and we yeah. say, you know, we, we've made it too busy. Let's bring it down yeah. to like the core honesty and then, and try to like take, take things out to kind of make it mean more um, or feel better by having it more. Yeah. Space. You know, a lot of musicians, sometimes we like cluttering things up because we think it's going to be impressive. But then we realize that the silence in between the notes actually are more effective. So is that kind of like when you're an actor Yeah, think about your cadence and how you're actually saying something to kind of figure out should you put a lot of words into word or kind of have the words mean more, space things out, or use your 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 expressions. And like I see a lot of times, Mm. watching like a lot of classic movies, like a lot of film noir, like Hitchcock movies, or you know, great filmmakers, and and there's a Mm -hmm. lot of stuff that's not even spoken with acting. There's a lot of just like a look. You know, the way you look at the camera, the way you hold the cigarette, the way you do something, that that seems to be actually more of the point than even like a lot. Yeah, I I think you're right. And I think that it um, what you're saying with music can so relate to acting, because I think there is so much that is nonverbal. It's funny, like, I feel like when you first start acting and even 
especially in the theater world, you know, people kind of are like, oh my gosh, how do you learn all of those lines? And it's like, that's the bare minimum of the job is <laughs> to know what the lines are. I think, um, you know, there's so much that can be communicated without the actual words. Cause I think, you know, so much of it is just all you're really like the, the core of acting is just being a real person like just going on screen being a real person going on stage being a real person or you know demon or lord of the rings elf or like whatever it dictates but having um you know a sense of groundedness and somewhere in that role even if it's the the biggest comedy part of the reason i think we relate to it is because you still believe it um and I think so much of that is like in human behavior, studying what people do and how they communicate with each other. And I think so much of what we do is how how we say things and when we don't even need to speak to, to get a point across. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's a big part of it. So one thing I've always yeah, one thing I've always wondered as an actor is like you got to be very aware of how you're kind of presenting yourself and then kind of model your character to like represent all these different like things that maybe people don't pay attention to. But as an actor, yeah. you're paying attention to that, right? So I guess you, I've heard of actors yeah. like watching people, you know, like learning from, from other, like especially like method actors actually going and and yeah. learning how somebody behaves right and then actually kind of mimicking or parroting that like I heard like Johnny Depp hung out with Keith Richards to kind of bring a mm-hmm. Keith Richards vibe to his character <laughs> in Pirates of the Caribbean he actually you know and then, and then Keith kind of figured out why he was there and he said well, you know and then he's always oh, that cool and he's like <laughs> but but he didn't really <laughs> tell him up front that that's what he was doing um but 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 it's interesting so how do you get that kind of self-awareness to know how to present yourself or even know how you're actually think, getting carried, how it's carrying off? Like, how do you? I think it's a bit yeah. of, you know, it takes training and trial and error, really. Um, you know, I think there's so much that that makes acting a unique job because you're always learning, you know, you're always expanding. It's not like a a lot. I mean, and I think a lot of other jobs are kind of like this too, but I feel like even more so it's not like, Oh, you go and get a degree in acting and you're done. Like that's not the way it works. And it also is a unique job in the way that, you know, that doesn't guarantee you any employment in the future. I think so much of it is just, especially, you know, and, in both theater and film is becoming comfortable with who you are um, and having a strong sense of self in the way that you, who you are and how, who you operate, how you operate in the world um, for a, a few reasons. One being, you know, if you're sure of yourself, it's a little easier to kind of understand why other people do what they do or why a certain character would do what they do. Also, I think um, it's really important to understand story, to understand, you know, your position in the story and how you are serving the story. You know, there's a different, different answer to that, depending on what role you're playing. You know, if you're, for example, um, if if you're in Star Wars, if you're Luke Skywalker, you obviously are a lot of the story, it revolves around you. But if you are, um, you know, a stormtrooper that has three lines, it is not about you. The story's not about you. You're there to give the information to further the story along. And I think um, kind of understanding mm-hmm. story along with understanding human behavior is a huge part of it because I think you can do all of the character research and the, you know, method types of preparation you want, but if you don't understand how you fit into the story, I think that you could be doing yourself a disservice. And I think also it is important to have a strong sense of self just in the professional aspect, because I think that, you know, there it's, 
pretty well known that it's a career that has a lot of rejection. And I think it's really important for all actors, but especially young or newer actors to understand that sometimes a lot of the time, you know, when you, when you're trained and you've been doing your work and you're in class and and you're prepared for things, you know, when you're rejected, it's not about your talent or about how good you are. It's about that you weren't right for that particular character. Um, And in some of the films I've worked on it, you know, it's like taken me, it took years to really understand how that works. And I think um, having a sense of self is important because, you know, when you're, going into the room you're presenting your take on the character um and i think a lot of you know greener newer actors can think that they're presenting themselves and when they get rejected that they're not good enough but usually it's that's not the case it's you know it's a multitude of things it's it's that hey so and so was better for the character and even that sounds kind of like oh well that means I wasn't good enough it's like oh no you know the leading man is uh six foot five so we need the leading lady to be at least five nine so he doesn't look like a giant or like you know like all kinds of crazy things that you don't even think of um that can play into it oh sorry you happen to look like the director's ex-boyfriend so she can't work with you you know or whatever it is yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of things that probably serve serve the role like like serving the song you know when you yeah. you work with uh you know steely dan was a kind of like a famous band that actually auditioned probably kind of like a film is like they used to bring in tons yeah. of musicians they weren't like a set band they had two guys that were the set guys and then the rest of the band was kind of flowing in and out. And whatever song Donald Fagan and Walter Becker felt like the right musician would fit. And they would like record multiple mm-hmm. versions of songs of multiple bands. And it was like, like, not right. Yeah, good, exactly. I think that, that reminds for. me of, it made me think of Queen and um, how they work with Adam Lambert now. And I think that, you know, Sure, Freddie Mercury is a legend, but I think there were probably other people that could hit the notes, right? You know, there were other people that could sing the songs, but there's also, yeah, he had the attitude to bring to it, which was like something like similar to what Freddie used to have, which is why I'm sure that they decided to start working with him. Um, You know, I'm not sure. I'm not in the band. I don't know. But like, (laughs) well, yeah, I saw a documentary where they kind of talked about. Technically, they could have got guys that were. Oh yeah. They actually had the bad company guy for a little while, but Adam, yeah, but Adam actually worked better because even though technically maybe the lead singer of Bad Company is maybe technically a more dynamic, you know, well-known singer and had Mm -hmm. the pedigree from Bad Company, right? But Adam had passion, and he just had something that just fit where they were, where Queen was like right now. And this documentary was really interesting. They were all like, yeah. Brian May was like, he actually got it. Yeah. He made us want to do it. And like, and when you got a guy like Brian May, the original guys in the band, like mm-hmm. he made them want to be Queen again. And so I think that's kind of core is like the chemistry in a band that makes you want to yeah. take a band that we could be done. And then say you want to do it again after the tragedy they went through, I think that's really said something. About, yeah. Like, yeah. I right think, and I think person, that that totally um, crosses over to both film and theater. It's, it's so much of it is collaborative and how everyone fits together like a puzzle and how it fits into the pieces to serve the story. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, um, ha- like a bit of, of harmony when it works out. Yeah, it seems like a film is kind of like when yes. you have a band, like you think about the Beatles or you think about Pink Floyd. Every every great band at certain key points, at their like at their zenith or their tight, everybody's like in tune, or everybody is maybe creatively bringing yeah. friction that creates great capability. So you know, mm-hmm. the, the Beatles were always kind of falling apart. Pink yeah. Floyd was always kind of having a problem. They were always kind of fighting, but their fighting yeah. created great art and so i think it's that kind of polarity of sometimes if you're pulling together you're pulling apart 
but in that can of creative chaos and music we find it a lot mm-hmm. there's sometimes like very polar opposites when you're collaborating can create yeah great yeah work i think that that's so much do of it it's like it is something you couldn't do by yourself even theater as well i mean i think you know there's one woman one man one woman shows and things like that but um it it's it, it's a collaborative effort i think you know even if even if it's just you and the ob- audience collaborating in a in a theater scenario you know there's still something there that that lends mm-hmm. to the performance and and how it all turns out and how people feel when it's all over Is there any kind of director that you like love to work with, and then another kind yeah, of director that you don't? Yeah, and I don't know if you sure. want to talk about that because yeah. you cannot, you know, cut down your 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 case, I, you know your chances. But you did just kind of just talking. Like, is there a certain think, style of directing that you like? Yeah, I think you for me with personally, I'm, I'm pretty open, especially because I I do do other things besides acting, and I think that that is important to be a well-rounded actor to, to understand the language of of what's happening behind the camera um or also what's happening behind backstage when you're in a theater um to understand how all of the jobs fit together to create the final product um so in a director i do like um i like when someone asks for my feedback uh, but I do also like if someone just tells me what they want and then I do it. You know, I think it it's it varies on the project of of what makes sense for the project uh, to get the final project, a final product that the director is ultimately looking for. Um, I do enjoy being a part of the collaborative process because I think, you know, that's fun. It's fun to create things. It's fun to make stories. But I think you know, even if it, depending on my role at any given time, you know, sometimes if, if you're the lead in the film, you do have a little bit more room to collaborate with everything that's going on. But if you're a smaller part, um, it's kind of, you know, I always appreciate when someone, you know, checks in and even on a film set, like it's, I think just important for everyone director all the way down to PA just to, to be kind. Um, and, you know, I think it's a small thing, but, um, it's easy for some people to miss. Um, and I think we all understand sometimes, you know, there's stressful situations and, and things are going on, but that's one thing I personally always try to remember, like, no matter what I'm going through, like there's, it's just as easy for me to be kind to someone as it is to not, uh, uh, yeah, I think that's yeah. That's I think that's very important in all art because mm-hmm. you have some people in like, even in music, right? Right. You have like some guys who are like leaders of a band, right? Or or the producer, the producer yes. that makes you do 182 takes versus the producer that kind of like lets you kind of take it and then you know comes in and you know kind of gently said, well, maybe try it in D, you know, D, in D, in D, do it in a different way. Use a different chromatic chart. But it kind of like said, well, you know, well, that's cool, but we could do it. This yeah. Instead of a guy saying, well, that's totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, because they think negative reinforcement can work or kind of overdoing it. And, and, and you're editing. It's like when you're a kid, yes. you, English teacher <laughs> puts red marks all over your paper. Um, versus, versus somebody... Yeah. Who knows how to be a little more diplomatic mm-hmm. um, but then there are people who really know what they want yeah and and they're very directed uh and they kind yeah. of will, like i think they hear oh it, my gosh you say accept. 182 takes and i'm thinking <laughs> that in the film sense and i'm like oh my god 182 takes <laughs> well there are there there are some yeah. like producers they'll make a drummer that's crazy do a drum part that many times you know, they'll make the bass player go back and read. Really? Yeah. And, and I think like, really? I think in that aspect it's kind of like, <laughs> okay, know. so what am what am I doing that what am I not doing that you're looking for? You know, as the, as an actor, if I were you know, I feel like there's famous stories about Stanley Kubrick doing things like that, like on The Shining doing 
a hundred takes of a certain scene to to get Shelley Long to really lose it and be crazy. And I think I think that sometimes it's like I think the only thing I don't appreciate in a director is someone that's actually trying to actively hurt or torture the human being to get an authentic reaction. You know, it's like yeah, or to kind of stress yeah and it's like hey we're, we're actors we're trained like i can make you believe that i'm stressed <laughs> like you don't have to you don't have to hurt us <laughs> you don't have to put yeah. me in a stress position to free yeah we're kind of like the idea of you know you know becoming a method actor yeah. and actually losing like in raging bull getting to fighting shape yeah, and then going yeah. and, and getting I think... out of fighting shape <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I think, like you know, I think different far, roles you know? dictate different types of preparation. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, that would be the only thing that I really, as an actor, wouldn't appreciate. Like, hey, like, you know, I can, I can make it happen. I can do what you need. But like, you don't have to try to trick me into doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, I think that's, that's kind of like, you know, to get somebody angry, you know, and there are famous like situations of music where people have wanted to kind of force like a situation yes, yeah. to get a performance out of somebody. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes they were doing things that, you know, in the seventies and the sixties, they yeah. put you into situations that were kind of like very unhealthy like behaviors because somehow when you're in that state, you actually gave them what they wanted, but it's actually not good for you to be in that state right. it's like well i need that to get this you know right you have to make a decision yeah. like are you willing yeah to yeah part? very similar situation <laughs> yeah i think yeah beyond yeah. that as far as working with the directors like i'm i'm pretty flexible as far as style like i i like learning from everyone i work with so you know pretty open So, so in in this COVID age, uh, I, when I was talking to Jeff Davis, she was talking about like how in New York they've got these kind of COVID kind of regula- yes. regulations and actually filming and they're doing work, but the sets have don't yeah. have anywhere near the amount of extras or people on the set. Uh, like COVID didn't, so people have been kind of staying in a in a quarantine, so then they can actually work because they they know they don't have it and they've been kind right. of set up in this kind of cocoon. Uh, and uh, similar work. yeah I was on, I've been on, on set a few times since um quarantine and um a lot of the regulations are requiring testing beforehand making sure that you know social distancing is happening wherever possible making sure that everyone has on a mask and sometimes a face shield as well at all times unless they're actively you know at lunch or um, an actor in the scene um, like even the uh, thing I was working on yesterday it was like the moment that we called cut it was like masks on masks on until we are ready to roll again um, and mm-hmm. I think personally I think I appreciate that I appreciate that we are all able to work safely and also continue creating um, so it is a little bit different than it used to be but I think it, it's kind of it's coinciding with our different daily lives, you know, like our daily, daily, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like yeah. interesting that you guys were able to find a way to work because I, I yeah. thought like, well, you're not going to be able to work at all. You know, and like a lot of musicians actually have had a problem where a lot of bands actually haven't been able to work mm-hmm. because they haven't been able to figure out how to do that. Um, in the COVID regulation kind of situation, a lot of drummers haven't been able to actually, you know, be mm-hmm. with their band in the same room. And uh, and it's been mm-hmm. hard where people are just like remotely phoning it in. <laughs> and and, it's, and then they're finding that's very difficult to kind of yeah. get the magic that they normally do together. And it's interesting that you guys are as a Yeah, I mean, it is different for sure. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, almost every audition now is over 
Zoom or over a video, whereas before you would go in person. And generally, and until the day on set, you, you're not meeting anyone beforehand, where in the past there may have been a rehearsal or a callback or a costume fitting or something like that, whereas now they're really minimizing any in-person contact. Um, but yeah, I, I too am super thankful because when it first started here in LA, like film all shut down for about three months there until they could kind of the unions could work together and figure out the protocols you get, oh wow so your unions yeah so kind of all the unions a little, a little bit more to, the city had their own protocols and then the unions came up with what they thought it seems like what they thought would be safe and would allow everyone to go back to work. And so now when you're on a set, it's kind of a combination of all of those rules, which luckily really do work well together. Yeah. I think the musicians probably could learn from that. Cause the kind of thing which kind of messed up musicians is since the studio systems have kind of fallen apart for us. And a lot of us are kind of indie. We mm-hmm. don't have the kind of studio structures that we used to have in the height of like O-Town and the height of the big studio systems where, you know, all the session musicians probably could have had like a way to set it up. But now everything is so different that yeah. know, people don't seem yeah. to have a set standard. And so it's making it harder. Yeah, I could understand that. It, I think it, honestly, it'd be the same here. Like if if every studio had different rules, it would be a, a little more difficult to get things going because we wouldn't all all be on the same page. But we're all finding different ways to do things. Like I'm doing tons of like uh, internet collaborations where somebody does something in their own studio and then they send it to me and I work it in my studio, send it back, do a Zoom meeting you know, listen to the tracks, kind of figure out stuff. So we're all doing a lot of collaborations, you know, with each other in different countries. And and that is kind of cool because we're opening up who we work with. You know, I can work with somebody in Berlin. I can work somebody in That's Paris, really cool. work somebody in New York. It doesn't really matter. We just... So there's a lot of stuff we figured out how to do new types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of cool. But it, it's interesting... Um, how how the world has changed and one of the things we mm. deal with, with as musicians is like yes. streaming services yeah. and, and you, you know you have netflix and hulu and amazon how does that affect an actor now that you got so many you know these companies like netflix and amazon and hulu creating yes, tv so shows on these on these like streaming networks there's um, pros and cons because all of those networks do have their own content which means there's more opportunities there's more things to be in but on the flip side um the the pay scale is a little bit different so you know the the, it used to be back you know uh, in network tv days you would you would book a role on friends and every time friends played on NBC, you got paid. And then also when it got sold off and is on TBS 24 hours a day, you get paid every time your episode airs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the reruns. Yeah, so, so it's, it's like, it's how a complicated thing that Hulu. honestly, like <laughs> the unions are still kind of figuring out and negotiating to work on those contracts. Um, but it's kind of across the board. I know I've talked to some writer friends of mine that are kind of in a similar boat. Like they used to also get a residual if something were to play on TV, but now when it's streaming, it's, it's kind of, I think still figuring out how all of that stuff is calculated. So I think in that way, it's, it's still a little complex, but on the bright side of with creativity, just because there are so many shows and so many movies now, so much more than there. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot more work out there, which I think is pretty cool, Um, and also a lot more diversity in the work as well. Whereas, like you know, back in I I don't know the 50s and 60s, it was you had three television channels or in the movies, and that was it. And now it's like endless television channels, endless movies, endless places to watch them because it's like there's Netflix. And there's Hulu, but then there's also the ones you haven't even heard of. Like, you know, I can't even think of them right now, but. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of new ones. I don't, I, yeah. The one thing I noticed is it seems like sometimes 
that these like the Netflix yeah. and the Amazon might give right. a show more than three shows before they cancel it. Like they actually yeah, might yeah. let it go like ten or, or twelve. Where right, like yeah. the network might drop something after two or three if they don't Yeah, see it's it seems kind of now that it's like that right? something will at least get a season, which also now is much shorter. So if it back fifteen years ago, a season of a show had twenty two episodes. Like lost which is something i rewatched during quarantine every episode every season has like 22 (laughs) episodes and they're an hour long so it's like that's 23 hours in a season and now um, you know new show could have as little as six or eight episodes per season um and so it is a, a little bit different in the in the model and the way things are created but i do i think I would agree with that just from, you know, things that I've seen. It it seems that some of the streaming services will give something kind of a whole season to test it out as opposed to what the networks used to do, which would be canceling something mid-season. Yeah. It's kind of like why a lot of bands it, have gone indie, but like if you go with a label, right, and you don't right. get after like the first or second album, you get dropped. But but if you're indie and you figure out mm-hmm. how to kind of target an audience and tour, you yeah. can have indie bands stand around for like 10 years or, or not even dissolving and be able to actually work at a micro level where maybe you just have 70,000 fans, but you actually can yeah, get that yeah, market totally and actually that. stay alive as a band. And, and so that kind of is like, so you don't have to hit 500,000 yeah. fans and you can still do what you love to do and tour like all over the place. And, and yeah, you know, yeah, I can totally agree with that. Can I put you on hold viable. for just one second? All right, great. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Kind of take a. Hi. Okay, <laughs> yeah, well, sure. well, we're we're actually kind of near the end of our time, but um, I wanted to I wanted to ask you about what you're working on for 2021, and maybe what's like your fans. Yeah, your so next, uh, certainly something I'm currently working on is my podcast. Um, so my podcast is called Yeah, I've seen that. And it's a short comedy podcast about movies. Uh, So basically what we do is every episode, it's me and uh, my boyfriend, who's a writer-director. We are co-hosts. And um, we pick a famous movie that we haven't seen. And we just kind of bullshit the plot and tell you what we think it's about. Uh, it's an audio podcast and so um, that has been ongoing and it's been really really fun and silly just like famous things that I've hadn't seen that I would just be like I think you know this is the story of Goodfellas or like this is the story of Waterworld this is the story of The Notebook you know big movies like that which have been really it's (laughs) it's been fun and silly and also really great quarantine activity that's been ongoing and so um that's been really fun well send me the link yeah send me the link to that and i'll put it on this podcast oh awesome thank you for that yeah so there's uh been that and then also um kind of in pre-production for a feature film that i'm working on um that is a a kind of um 
I'd say it's like a suspense horror film that uh, we're hoping to shoot in quarantine and um, really, really excited about that one because it'll be fun. Uh, I can't, I don't think I can share too much about it, except uh, there's a little bit of witchiness going on. So I'm Um, to be honest i'm not sure yet uh especially with everything going on with quarantine um i i don't know i don't know we'll see yes a lot of things have been going right to video or right to like like right yeah like even the new wonder went straight to to streaming so yeah to be honest with the future for that um and some of the other projects that i shot last year that were supposed to come out in theaters i'm not sure where they'll wind up uh because everything's kind of changing with our new world so um but i will definitely um be posting all about that i um share everything on my instagram which is leanne o'shea official which is how we found each other so um thanks yeah i'll post that i'm gonna put that link but if you can send me the link to your podcast like directly and I'm, this is actually going to oh, get wow, published so within the next uh, <laughs> half hour after we stop. So, if you, if you, yeah, it's not that it doesn't take that long. So we will go out onto eleven podcast mm-hmm. platforms, including Spotify, which we actually are part of, uh, and uh, Apple and Google and Radio Public. So it automatically gets published okay, to great. eleven podcast pl- platforms once I hit the button to push uh, push it. But if you can send me um, any hyperlink you think would be useful um to let your fans know about sure. specific your podcast and the other thing great that you want. thank you so much uh, uh when we have our program. next recording i'll be sure to plug your podcast as well because this has been so fun and so nice so thank you for inviting me to be on well we love to talk to all types of creative folks we've been expanding uh, our podcast to talk to you know painters you know, musicians, actors, directors. So we've been opening it up to a large cool. group. We're hoping to do a video podcast version of our show. And we're cool. gaining traction. We've started at like maybe a thousand listeners. Now we're at 30,000. Um, so we're, we're pretty psyched about our growth so far. So we're hoping to hit 50,000 this year. That's our goal um, or more. So thank you for listening and thank you for being on, on the podcast. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to help you with your your promotion on your movie when it comes out we could get, we always oh, thanks. ask you to yeah come we'd back love to come back anytime they've got something they want to push so yeah it's great so thank you for being on the show uh leanne o'shea uh, everybody check out the links we're going to put on this show and within the next you know well, you'll see it within a half hour but my my fans will check and uh we will push it on our podcast uh, our, on our channels, uh, our Instagram and Facebook, we will push this um, episode, which actually on the Spotify version, we actually have integration with Instagram and the highlight. So on cool. Instagram well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. And uh, I'll be sure to share everywhere the podcast um, and hopefully, you know, get you to those 50,000 listeners this year. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you.